This morning we're continuing in Matthew chapter 24, where we're on the Mount of Olives with Jesus and His disciples. And uh, this is generally referred to, Matthew 24 and 25, as the Olivet Discourse. And uh, Jesus is being asked by His disciples when certain things are going to take place. And and one of the things was, you know, when is the end times coming, Lord? And that's what He's uh, addressing in the Scriptures that we are going to be looking at today. And uh, the focus of this message is going to be on the idea of, are are you ready? Are you prepared? And uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the song came out in uh, the uh, 1970, it was when it was first released, but it was probably made most uh, famous by a series of movies uh, called The Thief in the Night, was the th- and the three, actually four, I think, ultimately, movies that went with that. But when Thief in the Night was released, uh, this song actually got a lot of play. And it, it's uh, uh, an interesting uh, song. And and it may not be, you know, totally theologically sound meaning, depending on what your view of the end times is. But uh, he was. It talks about life being filled with guns and war, and and uh, you know different things going on in the world and chaos, and and uh, then the fact that the, that the Lord has come, and there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. And, of course, that takes us next to the Left Behind series and a lot of other things, too. Uh, but the idea was is that it's going to happen fast. And that's what this song was all about. And the interesting thing is, for me, is that as I was beginning to really explore the, the Christian faith, uh, Kathy and I had, uh, were living at her mother's home in Atascadero. And, uh, you know, I was reading through things and I was talking about a lot of things as I was reading, trying to figure out why, most of all, why we would, why anybody would believe in a bodily, physical resurrection. And did a lot of reading on that and all, but, but also this idea of end times, because that was really popular in the 70s, and that's when I was wrestling with this. Kathy's mom had two records that she gave to me to play when I was working you know, out in my shop. I had a record player set up out there and speaker system in my shop. And uh, one of them was a Tennessee Ernie Ford album with this song, uh, I Wish We'd All Been Ready, on it. In fact, two other songs that we sang this morning were on that album as well. And uh, the idea was that the, the Lord is, is coming. And Larry Norman was one of the early, uh, the, the writer and, and uh, singer of the song. And it was a contemporary song, and his album was, while well, this wasn't a rock song, his album was uh, a little bit early Christian rock. wasn't received real well uh, because it was just, Christian rock was just getting started and stuff. And, and uh, there was a big question mark as to whether you could worship the Lord and, and listen to Christian rock at the same time. I, for one, believe you can uh, but uh, it did its job. His prayer was with that, with that song that people would, would think about it. And I have to say, it worked for me. 
it was one of the things that, that, that fed me in the sense of, of thinking about it. And it was one of those songs that kind of stuck in the back of my head. And, and so the theme this morning is, you know, are you ready? Uh, are you prepared? And, uh, you know, you, you know the, the, well, first off, maybe approach it this way. Have you ever been unprepared for something that just suddenly happens to you? I mean, it comes along. And I was trying to think of different things to put into that category. And I was th- thinking of, oh, like a test or a term paper, uh, you know, that I forgot about. And you show up to school and the teacher's handing out a, a, a test paper. Uh, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, my. And this, I'm thinking of, of, of one particular time at a, a that I had completely forgotten, and, and that wasn't you know what I normally was pretty good at getting ready for these things. And uh, I'm thinking, oh my, one third of the grade is based on this test. <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble. Uh, or having a paper where, in fact, I had one paper at college that uh, if it, it you couldn't get out of college unless this paper was complete and a C plus or better. Uh, it was an actual thesis paper, and uh, Mine ended up to be 101 pages with footnotes. And uh, it was no small item. The only thing was you only got three units for it, which just never seemed fair to me. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of work. And, and I know some people that put that off. And all of a sudden, they're dying. They're trying to get their project done, and especially those guys in architectural engineering and stuff like that, because it was a lot of calculations and stuff. I just remember how many panicked people how panicked people got with those things. But you know they had time. They 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 were given a warning. And they actually knew the due date. I actually knew the due date of of uh, the thing. I had been given a paper that told me that test was going to be at such and such a time at the very beginning of the of the the quarter. So I knew these things. I had no excuse for not being prepared. The other thing I thought about in the category was, by the way, you know, when you think about it, is, is when that happens, it's kind of like a sinking feeling, you know, just, oh, and, and a kind of quasi stomach and thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? But also other things that can happen suddenly without warning, but there's still a pre-warning of are you prepared? One thing that I thought of was an earthquake. Now, I don't know how many of you are earthquake prepared, meaning that you've got water and food and all those kinds of things set aside, rotating through your cupboard so that your, your you know, canned goods are the, you know, uh, FIFO, right? First in, first out. Yeah, okay. I looked at my wife because that's what she has to do at work all the time. And, and looking at all this kind of stuff, and, and are you ready for it to happen? Can it happen? Are you, are you prepared? And... I was looking up online, and, and they, they said the majority of Californians are not prepared for an earthquake. They do not have sufficient supply of their foods and or medications uh, to handle if things were awry for several days or, or even a few weeks. And uh, so water, all these kinds of things that you should be having in, in place. Uh, I even looked at this and, and, and looked at it as my insurance paid up. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, is, and is it sufficient to meet the needs that, that could possibly happen? I mean, that's what our insurance is all about. Something that might happen. In most cases, we're hoping it doesn't. Uh, 
you know, but you're wanting to be prepared. So there's all these things in our culture that, that, that we're used to that uh, are, are important to us. But the most important thing of all is are you spiritually prepared for Jesus' second coming? And if your answer is no, I'm not, then that's the worst of all things to not be prepared for because of what we're going to look at today. It can happen at any time. We are to be prepared for what we don't know, meaning when it's going to come, and prepared to what we do know, knowing He is going to come. In other words, we don't know when, so we're to be prepared that that can happen at any time, but we do know He's coming. We've been told He's coming. There's no excuse that we can offer to the Lord at the point in time and say, I didn't know. We have been told. So far as we've looked through chapter 24 of Matthew, clearly it's, you know, Jesus has made it clear that He's coming again and it is near. And I put down in my notes here, and it's been near since 70 A.D. Which to me is a difficult thing to put in, in context. Why? Because average lifespan in the United States right now is 78. So, you know, we look at that and we say, you know, you know that 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 we 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 are uh, given, and the scripture says 70 years. You know, uh, and anything extra is is a blessing, as you know, as God's being kind to us. And and we look at that and say, that's our framework. We're finite. We have a beginning. We have a a bodily physical end. And so everything is in the context of, of seven decades, seven or eight decades of life. And so we think in those terms. And all the things that we're prepared for, we think of in those terms. I don't, I, I don't think of being prepared for an earthquake, you know, a hundred years down the road. You know, I don't think of being, you know, all of these different things that we just talked about. But spiritually prepared, you know, Jesus said the time is near. And I'm saying, how quick is near going to be? And that's when we come back to scriptures that we shared last week out of out of uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, where a day is a thousand is, is is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. In other words, God doesn't keep time the way we do. Uh, you know, it it it's that the way it, you know. And, and so it's for us because of the length of time. I mean, it hasn't happened in 2,000 years. probably not going to happen in my lifetime. If we have that attitude, we have the wrong attitude. Because it could happen. After 70 A.D., after the destruction of, of Jerusalem by Titus and the complete destruction of the temple, not one stone, literally not one stone left on top of the other. That's an amazing thing. These guys were looking for every kind of treasure that they could find, and they destroyed that temple so thoroughly, looking for anything of value. And and so not one stone left on another was was you know uh, just a, a thing that happened, and even that happened in a sense suddenly, but with enough warning that Jesus even told them, when you see this beginning to happen. Get out of Jerusalem. Go into the mountains. Flee. There is a uh, uh, 
paper by a, a uh, professor that I had in college by the name is Dallas Meserve, and it was called the Olivet Discourse. And uh, I uh, cannot and have been unable to obtain a copy of it, so I contacted somebody from the college that I went to, and, and uh, he's going to send me one of the two copies they have and let me, co- you know, and I said, you sure you don't want to just copy it off? And he says, we can't, but you can uh, the library isn't allowed to, but he says once you have it, you, you know. And if there's Dallas did not put a copyright, re, you know, reserve on it, but so he's going to send it to me so I can have a copy of it again. But uh, it's believed by many that very few, if any, Christians were caught in the final siege of Jerusalem because they took Jesus' word literally. And when they saw the army of, of, of Titus, not to, the Roman army, coming their way, they fled. They left. And it's really quite amazing when you think about it. They were prepared for something that they didn't know when it was going to happen. But Jesus had said it would. So that's what we're dealing with. Jesus is coming again and the time is near. And it's going to be obvious. This is one of the other things that we've seen so far. It's going to be something that's very obvious. It's not going to be secret. It's not going to be hidden. It's going to be visually in the, visual in the heavens. There's going to be a, a, a trumpet sound. And I don't believe it's only going to be a select few that hear it. I, it's, I think everybody's going to hear it. Everybody's going to be woke up to this, if you will. And, and they're going to see it happening. At the point that that happens, it's too late. If you haven't already done the things that you need to do to be ready and prepared. So, Jesus is telling us to be ready, prepared, and alert. And so, when it happens, you're either going to be running to Him or trying to run away from Him. You recall last week, I think it was, that I said you're either going to be dancing on the tabletop or hiding underneath it. Uh, Because you are, are either ready or you're not ready for His coming. So look at this again at the scripture text this morning, verse 36, very clear. No one knows, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the son, but the father only. That's an amazing statement in itself, because it also draws us to the reality of Jesus truly becoming a man and emptying himself and setting himself aside as a man. It's, it's something that as a man, he, he, he was dependent on the Father for. He's, he's saying that the, you know, when he emptied himself, he emptied himself of a number of things and, and the power and authority uh, of, of his position and of, of part of the Godhead. And so even, even he is dependent on the Father with this. And, and so he's saying only the Father knows. So what we get out of this is that we don't know when he's coming. But by this very same statement, we know that he is going to. We just don't know the day or the hour. Verse 37, For as were the days, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark.
Jesus gives a picture from the Old Testament for us here. His coming will be as sudden and unexpected as was the flood at the time of Noah. Now, you know, it's, 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 and, and what will the, the majority of the people be doing? It says eating and drinking, marrying and giving to marriage. And it doesn't, that's not frivolous. That's not stuff that's wrong necessarily. It's just that they'll be just doing things as normal. They won't be seeking God. In fact, the opposite is implied. That's the last thing they'll be looking at is, is God. They're not interested in godly things. And I'm thinking, what kind of warning did they have? You know, uh, did they have any idea that, that something was coming? And I have to believe they did. I mean, let, you know, building the ark was no small thing. 450 feet long, 45 feet wide, in a, at a time when no one had seen anything needed for that. I'm sure the mocking and, 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 and stuff that went on. And what was, was, was Noah doing? Uh, it says that he was, a, in, in Second Peter, it says that he was a preacher of, of, of righteousness. He was a herald of righteousness. One who, I, I'm sure he should, I, I, that implication, and most scholars think, that has to do with the fact that he had preached to them. They weren't interested. The only people that, that were on the ark were Noah and his immediate family, eight of them. And so Jesus is using this picture as a picture of what will, the world will be like at the time of his second coming. It'll be business as usual. Everybody's going to be just going about business as usual. Even though there's been wars and rumors of wars and everything, this stuff has been going on. These birth pains have been going on since, since the, well, actually, wars and rumors of wars have been going on for the, the history of mankind, period. I, I recall a professor uh, at, at, uh, uh, when I went to Cal Poly had done a study on, 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 on the things of, of war and, and saying that there was only a few decades of history that had no war recorded. And, and the idea was that that's probably because they didn't know where it had happened. Uh, and that was going back, you know, uh, millenniums. And so we're used to hearing these things. Are we shocked when we turn on the TV about an, uh, uh, something going on within the, the Middle East? No. Are we, you know, it, it's no, you know, it's always been that way. And so these things don't move us. But yet God is saying the things of the, of, uh, should be moving us. Every time we hear of a war or a rumor of war, we should be thinking it could be today that He comes. He told us to be ready. These things are the birth pains, but, and, and just the fact that they're happening doesn't mean it's going to be today. But it could be. The last thing that had to be fulfilled before He comes, as far as prophetic things go, was the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. So Jesus says the world's going to be just like the days of Noah when He comes. Nobody's going to... It's just going to be business as usual. The regular things that have been going on from day to day, 
uh, from decade to decade in, in your lifetime, it's going to be normal. And then suddenly, you'll be there. Jesus creates a, another picture in this, this passage. Just as the you know, times will be just going on and is normal, then He turns around and says, then two men will be taken in the field. Verse 40. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So all the prophecies or all the people that you've ever heard, all the books that you may have read over the last several decades that, especially in the 70s and 80s, uh, predicting when the end time was going to come, uh, 1988, 1994, uh, year 2000, uh, and, and so on. Those are guesses. And I've heard, I think it was, uh, uh, well, now I can't remember which one first said it, it was the idea that if it's, if it's been predicted, it won't be that day. Uh, or that at that hour, whatever. But the idea is, is that it's going to be when we're least expected. It's not going to be at a time where you would say, oh, this must be it. But yet we should be living like it is. The suddenness is what Jesus wants to point, point you know, the idea of one taken, one left. And the, the I couldn't help myself. I'm looking at this and I'm saying, which one goes where? <laughs> is the one taken, you know, being brought into the Lord, uh, or, or is the one left behind going to join the Lord? And and he doesn't make it clear. And and I and I realized as I was reading through, especially several commentators saying the same thing, which one goes where doesn't really matter because that's not what Jesus is trying to point out here. What Jesus is trying to point out to is just the suddenness of it. It's going to happen that fast. Sudden, unexpected. No one knows the day or the hour. So he says, therefore, verse 32, he says, therefore, stay awake. Be alert. The idea is to be watching, expecting His coming. Living your life in a way that you are expecting that He could come today. In other words, you don't want to live your life in such a way that uh, you, you want to have to give account of what you've been doing for the last 24 hours because it really isn't very pleasing to the Lord. <laughs> you want to live a life that would be pleasing to the Lord and acceptable and, and according to His purpose for us at any point in time He comes. People will turn around and say, well, that's impossible. We were talking about being sinless. No, we're talking about people who, when we have sinned, have dealt with our sin. We haven't waited and wasted our time to deal with it. 
when the Holy Spirit convicts us that we have sin in our lives, we've dealt with it, we've confessed it, brought it to the throne of God, and received His forgiveness. When we have something at odds with a, a fellow brother or sister in Christ, that we've gone to them and taken care of it. Scripture is full of examples of what we're supposed to be doing. So that we live our day to day serving God and, try and, and, and seeking to accomplish His will. When we fail, we confess our failure. And John tells us that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and restore us. Another picture He gives us here, starting in verse 43, is this idea of a thief coming into the home. Look at it again. I just read it a minute ago. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. And I started thinking about how we go about striving to protect our stuff. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't. Don't misunderstand. But what Jesus is saying, we're really good in, at, at, at striving to do whatever is necessary to protect ourselves. If we knew a thief was coming, what would we do? We would be ready until, you know, somebody, somehow we've gotten the message that a thief is going to be breaking into our house. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow night. But we would, have, we would do something to cause that to not be possible or to the best of our ability. We have one of those alert systems put in, and the, and the sign on the in the in the yard, and and the sign on the door. We, you know, you're going to get caught. The bell's going to sing, you know, the the ring, the 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 buzzer's going to go off, the alarm is going to sound. You're, you know, don't don't you don't come to my house. We have locks. We have deadbolts. We have bolts that go down into the floor and up into the ceiling. Uh, you know, into the and, and and so that our our you know doors are almost you know impregnable. We even have systems you know that now the, the alarm systems that on our windows. So if they at once the alarm systems turn on, the window goes up, the 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 break in the circuit, and the alarm goes off. When I was uh, working in San Luis Obispo uh, for a friend of mine, we had an alarm system like that. Uh, and if you walked into the door uh, or any other part of the building, but you know, the morning that you open the door, the, the alarm system immediately starts going off. And you have so much time to get to the, to the wall panel and turn the thing off. Glenn hadn't told me about this yet. He just gave me a key to the building and told me what time to be there. So I'm sitting there, you know, what do I do? Sheriff shows up. The police car shows up. One of the guys has his shotgun in one hand. You know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I, and I'm standing on the porch, kind of like, what do I do? And they said, just you know, put your hands out. So, and and then they called Glenn. They said, oh no, that's my new employee. And and uh, you know, the place where I worked in 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 San Jose had the same kind of system. Except, uh, and so if you went in and, and hadn't punched the right numbers in and the alarm went off, you fortunately had a phone number you could call as well and call them and say, this is Bob Hapgood, I'm in the building. Da, 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 da. And uh, so we do everything we can to protect these things so that we can keep our stuff safe. Locks, alarms, 
boxes uh, at, at, at the bank, you know, where you, you, you know, put your, your stuff in the bank vaults and keep it safe. So people have safes at home, keep their stuff safe. What Jesus is pointing out here and he's alluding to is, but the most valuable possession you have is its safe. The most valuable possession you have is your soul. Are you better at taking care of your stuff versus taking care of your soul? How important is that? Jesus says it's, it's everything. Are you taking care of your soul? Verse 44, Therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Is your soul ready for the second coming of Christ? You must be ready and you must be ready at all times. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The rest of chapter 24 from here through chapter 25 are pictures of what it takes to be prepared. In other words, the majority of, of, of 24 you know, and 25 together, the majority of it is, is dealing with the idea of being prepared, being ready. We'll be looking at more of that over the next couple of weeks, but you know, it's really important that the first thing you know, it would, should come to your mind is where do I start? Where do I begin to be ready? And the thing that I would direct you to this morning would be the back of your bulletin. It's called the Roman Road. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll stop with for the wages of sin is death. We all fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. What is the penalty for my sin? Death. Yet there's a free gift coming from God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and what we realize is that God has done something special. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, I will be saved. For the heart one believes in is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's the gift that God gives us, eternal life. That's where it starts in the sense of being ready. I, th- I think of the the, the wordless uh, book that was used and has been used for uh, over a, a century plus in, in presenting the gospel. Uh, initially put together to present the gospel to those who didn't, couldn't read, and it was just you know five colors. The first color was yellow or or gold, and that was the idea of, of, of eternal life. More important than anything else would be to ask a child, and this is done for children especially, would they ask a child, you, you would describe heaven and they would say, would you, would you like to go there? After thinking of streets of gold and a, and a beautiful place and there's no, no crying, no suffering, no sorrow, 
Gosh, yes. Especially at the time that this came out where kids were working in factories and working long days and, and, and this type of stuff. And, 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 and in many cases being abused. Uh, street kids uh, having problems. And this is this was the purpose of ministering to these people. You know, as here's this way. And, and so, yes, I'd like to do that. Well, we'd like you to do it too, but there's a problem. You can't get there. Why would you tell us about it if, if, if we can't get there? Why can't we get there? Well, you see, our, our hearts are black with sin. And there would be the black page. Just the, black, the color black. Well, well how, do, how do we get rid of the sin? Well, the next page was red. You can assume what, what the next discussion was. Jesus Christ gave his life so that we might be saved. He shed his blood. He died on the cross so that we might be covered and brought to God as through his blood because he was sinless. And if we accept that, then we come through his blood and accept Jesus as our Savior, confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, then you, you're saved. Oh, does that mean then we would go to heaven? Yeah, because instead of seeing your heart now as black, the next page, God sees your heart as white, clean, unblemished. But there's a final page to that. There's five colors, not four. The fifth color is green. Normally we think of green, we think of things, the idea was to think of things growing. We're not only to get to the point where we are forgiven initially for, for what we have done, but that we are growing in Christ, that we're in His Word. We sing about, we love His Word. This morning we talked about His Word being something that's important to us as we sang. You know, that His Word is something that we're in on a regular basis, that we're studying, that we're looking at, and, and reading, uh, not just for the sake of getting through so many times a year or, or, or so many times in our life, getting through the whole Bible, but for being encouraged, lifted up, and, and, and for growth in our walk with Christ, for knowing God better, to understand what is pleasing to the Lord with a desire to please Him. And so... The initial start of, of, of being prepared is to accept Christ as our Savior and desire to be in His will. Seeking to know Him. And, as, and, and Paul says you know, that the more we seek to know Him, the more we want to know Him because we're amazed at what He's done for us. And we are you know, to be continually in that amazement. And I, was, I, I put this down again for myself was am I as amazed today as I was when I first accepted Him? And I have to confess to you in some ways I am but in other ways I'm kind of complacent. I've taken care of that, you know, and I don't, you know, sometimes I don't have that same enthusiasm and and I, I think all of a sudden Jesus writing to me and said return to your first love, Bob. Maintaining the relationship with Christ is how we stay alert. How we are prepared to watch and to, to wait for His coming. God is telling us these things to be prepared. To not be caught off guard. 
He wants us excited and even excited about the fact that He is coming. We need to have that phrase, Maranatha, as, 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 as our, you know, which means our Lord come. What is it? Uh, 1 Corinthians 16.22. Maranatha, which means our Lord come, or, or sometimes translated, come soon, Lord Jesus. God is telling us that this is where He wants us to be. Every Sunday we come together and we celebrate and share communion. It's a time of excitement because Jesus says to do it as often as we do until what? He comes again. That should never be absent from the point in time of communion when we're taking communion. Is some personal, even if it doesn't come from the pulpit before we share it, it should be some personal point in each of us that says, thank you, Lord, for the promise that you are coming again. And thank you, Lord, for the promise that when we confess our sins, they are forgiven. Thank you for coming in the flesh and dying on the cross. All of that is tied to communion. It's the whole story. And the idea is to be continually prepared. People you know, have different times in different churches as to how they celebrate communion and how often they do. I'm one who believes that then they said that they, as often as they gathered together, they broke bread, was that they were sharing in communion. And some churches look at that and, 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 and they don't see it as important as that as to be every week. And they'll think once a quarter or some, some churches only once a year. Communion Sunday. You know, but I believe it should be a part of our worship every Sunday to remind us of who He is and to remind us to be alert to the fact that He is coming again. We don't know when, but we are to be ready and I, and I look at it again as to be ready to dance and rejoice and not want to run and hide. So let's share in communion this morning. I'd ask the ushers to come forward and to uh, uh, pass the communion out. Hold it until we've all been served and we'll share it together.